You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. I hope everyone is doing well today. Today, we hit the century. I'm very happy and I wanted to take the opportunity to thank all of the listeners, everyone who's listening today for helping us to get here. We couldn't do it without you and if you would be good enough to leave us a nice review, share with your friends, we'll continue doing even more of these shows. So on to today's show, for episode 100, I wanted to do something special. So I'm doing an Own the Build first today. I've got three lovely guests with me today that I've been admiring what they're doing in the industry from afar. They've been incredibly difficult to pin down, not just over the last few weeks and months, but even today, they've been quite difficult to pin down, but we have done it. They are here. So today, we are joined by the team at Axel, the UK's first industry-led, co-funded construction school. And in the studio, we have Nicola Bird, who is the founder and MD, Natalie King, just about, who is the operations director, and we have Katie Hathaway, who is head of business engagement and comms. Nicola, Natalie, Katie, we did it. Can you believe it? I didn't think it was possible, but here we are. How are you all? Oh, we're absolutely delighted to be on here, and congratulations on your 100th show. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, thank you very much. Sorry for taking so long to get back to you. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that you guys are here. So I've given you all a brief introduction, but I'm sure you can do a far better job. So starting with you, Nicola, um, just tell us a little bit about you, your experience and your journey in construction so far. Yeah, okay. So I've been in the construction industry now for about 13 years. Um, my journey started um, as an administration clerk working for my family business and my, uh, working for my dad. Uh, he really just called me in and gave me a job because I had my second daughter and didn't know what to do with myself. So it was uh, just a sort of a foot in the door really and something to keep me busy. And I think I got the bug, got really interested in construction, wanted to do, um, stretch myself and see what the construction industry had on offer and progressed through the business, was made director in 2018 and that led on to the inspiration of Excel, which I'll go into later. Amazing. And uh, Natalie? Um, I've been in construction about seven years now. So I went to uni, trained to be a, a lawyer, a barrister. Absolutely hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> had two daughters myself and yeah, got into construction uh, within national company Kia Group. And in 2020, Nikki said, oh, come and do this with me. It'll be really fun. So I did. And is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And the rest is history. <laughs> Amazing. And and Katie, uh, lastly, from you, of course. So my job is Head of Business Engagement. I've been in the construction industry now for around about five and a half years. Came in as a happy accident and will never leave it. And that's thanks to the great people that are in the industry, but also obviously, of course, who I'm working with. It's great when you're working with your best mates on a project that's phenomenal and changing the industry. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I have to say, Obviously, we're only sitting down, the four of us, for the second time 
now, but even from afar, it seems like the culture that you guys have created at the business that you're in feels like very warm, very family oriented. And I can see that just listening to the three of you talk about one another and with one another, that that is absolutely true. So I've been incredibly impressed, honestly, watching and admiring you from afar, as I've already said. One of the things I think was really, really impressive about what you guys do is the story and kind of how you tell the story of and the reasons why you do what you do. Now, when we spoke first, Nicola, you told me that it was almost a desire to keep a family legacy going as to why you have set up Excel. Can you explain to the listeners what you mean by that? Yeah, so um, my grandfather uh, started KW Bell Group, um, which is the family firm which I've talked about uh, 54 years ago now. Are you you main contractors, sorry, um, We're we're house builders and we're groundworks and civil engineering contractors for the major house building group. It's got an employee base of about 500 and turnover is about 90 million. So it's, you know, it's it's a good size business. Well, to be fair, you know, it's a great story because my my grandfather started it um, on his own as a big bricklaying baron, very small gang at the time. And yes, yeah, so it was uh, through through my dad has um, grown the business to um, still, a, still a very, very uh, family orientated business, but a, a lot larger as it is today. And it was through conversations of how, what does the business look like through succession? Um, who, who's it going to go to and where are the people? And it was really obvious as we, we were sitting in the boardrooms thinking about what does the next five years look like, that we weren't having enough people coming into the industry to fulfill our current workload, let alone see how we can grow and develop. So that was quite um, a shock, really, because I think we knew it was going on. But seeing actually in black and white in front of you, you need to seriously do something. What um, specifically did you think there will not be enough of X or of Y, which means that we can't grow the business or we can't sustain the business, just so it's clear. Yeah, so one of the key drivers for us um, as a family business, we like to have um, direct labour. So we like to have people on the books. We've had an employee base of about 500 for a while now. And it was always very important to us that we had loyalty within the business. So in the construction industry, you tend to have about 75% sort of PAYE with a flexible 25% um, subcontracting base. Um, And that's just pretty standard for any construction business. But that's started to shift. Um, and it's how to how do we get more loyal people in? And the loyal people we had years ago were people that had grown with us through the businesses, started off and, you know, when they were 16, just left school. And all of those people that started back then are the ones that are leading our business managers and directors of it now. And we've just we've just missed that. And we've missed people coming into the industry and for, for many, many reasons. So we we've, we're trying to tackle that with Excel and trying to fulfill the, the backlog and all the missing people. And so Excel is the first co-funded construction school. I mean, it's a, it's a great tagline. What specifically does that mean? And how does it tackle the challenges that Nicola's business was facing, Natalie? How, how, how do you see it? Uh, well, we like that strap line because obviously it creates um, headlines and it gets us lots of uh, marketing opportunities. But it is, for us, it was responding to industry by providing something to industry 
from what we need so what we were getting from the colleges they weren't necessarily it wasn't necessarily site ready the people that were being trained there weren't getting the practical experience they needed as well as the theory so Nicola actually started this process in 2017 when she realized this was a problem uh, with mainstream training and devised her own um, bespoke groundworks apprenticeship and she did that on two um, separate sites one here in Cinderford and one in Cardiff on a Red Row site and they started 23 apprentices and 15 graduated two years later. And so she knew she had something um, that was special but it was how to actually escalate that and to make it um, bigger than a porter cabin on a site. It's quite the jump though isn't it from, <laughs> look at, look, from, from looking at your business plan and being like hang on a minute there isn't going to be enough uh, skilled labour for us or or whatever for us in five years' time. Right, I'm going to go and set up a school. Like it, it's it's quite the it's quite the significant jump. I think. Whereas you know you might go on. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, like Natalie said, those conversations went from well, let's try something. Let's set up some porter cabins so we're not spending much money, um, and let's do this this trial, this case study. And it was during that time that um, the industry got really interested in what we were doing. Um, and also our, our local LEP, which is a local enterprise partnership. Um, and an LEP essentially holds money for government and is able to push it out to local communities on where it most desperately needs funding. And they were able to help us basically escalate uh, what we what we wanted. And uh, yeah, I, our ideas grew and grew and grew literally week on week when they were saying, well, you could do this, could do this, could do this. And, and then we ended up with this massive three million pound bill. <laughs> But it's it's just amazing as as a process, right? To think because I don't think many people would have been sat in your shoes, say, thinking, right, I've got this skill shortage, and then think, right, I'm going to go and solve that for the rest of the industry. Most people would think, right, I've got a skill shortage. How can I selfishly, in inverted commas, solve that for my business today? And how can I kind of protect my business? But what you're actually trying to do is something far, far grander. And where does that motivation come from is what I'm interested in, in understanding because most people wouldn't have done that. I definitely probably wouldn't have done that. And I think to be fair, to, you know, that, that there is some truth in that. It did start off, how can we do this for ourselves? Um, and then we it was we need to share this you know the industry is terrible at sharing best practice but we have something here let's share it amongst everybody um, and let everybody be a part of it um, it was a tough sell um you know we we built excel through covid and um we were having meetings with mds and ceos over zoom and teams and we were saying oh we're gonna build this amazing building and revolutionize construction education and the faces at the other side of the computer were just thinking we were absolutely crazy. Um, so, so the fact that we've delivered on everything and people are seeing it come to fruition and everything we're doing over the past year, it sort of justifies um, everyone wanting to you know, certify us as insane Stamp. in 2020 and 2021. <laughs> it, it's, it's fascinating understanding it from afar. I guess on this, in this conversation that we're having, it'd be really interesting to understand what actually you guys do so that the people listening maybe will be able to benefit from it, tap into it, support what you guys are doing. So in headline, what is Axel? Well, Excel is formed upon three pillars, inspire, train and connect. You've probably seen it all over our LinkedIn. Lots of people are following us and supporting the journey. Red, yellow, green, everywhere with you guys. I can't stop. Your brand is moulded into my brain. 
absolutely. So what happened was um, I'd known Nicola, Nicola and Natalie for a few years before they sort of told me this idea. And um, when I was sitting opposite Nicola and she told me about the idea initially, um, we'd had a few drinks and I remember thinking to myself, she's crackers. <laughs> good crackers. Um, and, and Fantastic in your accent. Why, <laughs> yeah, you could tell I'm Welsh. Um, but the reason why it was so important and the reason I came on board was because I used to help businesses with their tax compliance in construction. And I used to sit across a board meeting a few times a day where I would hear the same thing all the time. We can't get good people. When we've got them, we can't keep them. So it wasn't just about KW Bell Group. Um, this, was, this is a, a, an industry problem. So when Inspire, Train and Connect, they don't work in isolation. So you need to attract people by inspiring new entrants into the industry. Um, but you also need to train those who are training them. Because, of course, if you've got a bad manager, how many people can you lose because of that bad management? So we're providing leadership skills. But what we're also doing is we're connecting industry with education. Okay, So that's where our university and our educational partners come together and they're actually supporting us with this. So what happened when, you know, back four years ago when they first started with the project did seem quite a small idea, which has turned into an absolute Definitely not phenomenon. Small now, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean we've got thirty four employer partners who are looking at us and uh, and are seeing the value in bringing everyone to together because ultimately collaboration is key. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you then about Inspire first and foremost. So I can't remember who it was that's, that said this, but someone said, I completely and utterly fell into the industry by accident. accident. Um, that was me. Was that you, Katie? Okay, so so my that's kind of my exact experience as well. I've found that I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to get a job that would train me. So I ended up being a trainee quantity surveyor. My best mate said, don't do that. You're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. He wasn't far wrong. No, but, um, you know, I didn't have a clue what it was. Ended up in construction, really enjoy construction. I'm very passionate about the topic. For me, the way I, I look at it through the prism of when I was younger, and I didn't really want to go, it had no interest in construction, didn't have a clue what being a quantity surveyor was, let alone other roles, and asked someone, my best mate, and he said, don't do that, it's going to be rubbish. That, to me, is, I've got blinkers on because that's my experience, but I feel like it's shared by quite a few other people who don't know construction. I think a lot of people in construction have a similar story to you, perhaps, Nicola, where it's, you know, family kind of gone through the process, dad, mum own business, it kind of flows through, right? Whereas we're trying to inspire people to come in. How do we inspire them with all of the narrative I guess around construction being relatively negative I'm going to ask you that Katie because I know that you're head of comms and that's your focus so interested to hear from you on that my experience I'm an ex-ice skater so I'll be honest it's absolutely ironic I now work for a school I didn't really have to go to school when I was younger probably show my age a little bit now but I know everyone gets fined if they don't but I was very much sort of going down the sporting route um, I had a knee injury which meant it was game over I then studied law um, like Natalie hated it but gave 10 years worth of service because somebody had given me an opportunity there um, you give loyalty to a company that gives that shows you loyalty so they gave you an opportunity I stayed there but after 10 years 
I was um, banging my head against a brick wall. Anyways, I was asked to come over and do tax compliance for a construction company and I thought, oh gosh, I'm going from law to Did tax. Did you think um, construction? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. No, um, but predominantly clients for construction and I found that I was going on to site and I felt a real sense of belonging. Everybody's great on site, um, well, majority of the time, let's, let's not lie. But it, was, it, it really appealed to me because of the people that were here. Uh, and, and, and a lot of the time, it was people who had perhaps not, not enjoyed the school environment, found it quite difficult to um, study that way. You have all different types of learning styles. Mine's consetic learning, so I like to learn as I'm doing. And I think I felt a real sense of belonging, um, came into the industry and certainly just have thrived in it. Um, there's certainly no glass ceilings in sight for women in the industry. It's just about attracting them in the first place because the progression routes that are available to us are so extensive. I mean, when you ask, when we ask some of the students here, what do they know about construction or, or any of them coming from school? And they say, oh, we, you know, we know that there's bricklaying. But there is a multitude of roles in construction that nobody knows about because there, is, there isn't enough educational resource out there. Um, and when you're choosing your subjects or what you want to do at school, um, quite often vocational skills are not, uh, uh, you know, are sort of not deemed the best route and university is pushed upon people. And we just want to show that there's there's room for everybody. You can go through the technical route, you can come through um, the, you know, the site route, the skilled labour side of things. And um, yeah, it's just a fantastic industry to be in. And I think we should be shouting from the rooftops about it. At Excel, we've created um, a lifelong learning pathway. So you can come from school through a trade and you can stay at Excel all the way through to degree level, postgraduate level. Um, And it's about creating those opportunities and those career pathways that you don't necessarily get in construction or you wouldn't necessarily know about. So you may want to um, have a trade or stay at trade level, but also we can facilitate uh, career progression and career growth beyond that. And you know, that's why Excel is the full package and something that's a UK first and isn't offered elsewhere. I, th- I think that the, the, the points that you, you both make there are uh, excellent and, and, and resonate. I'm going to go back to my story of having got a clue what construction is, surveying is, whatever else. But I would have probably been like bricklaying, okay. In fact, my mate said to me, if you do quantity surveying, you're going to count bricks for the rest of your life. So don't, so don't do it, right? Um, that, I mean, that's the old, old stigma. But one of the things that I actually think is incredible about construction is actually around the glass ceiling, something which you've talked about there, in that it is one of those sectors where I think almost anybody can achieve almost anything. And that could be blue collar white collar that could be i mean your your granddad's story nicola of you know just being a brick worker all the way through to now creating or having created the business that was created is kind of tantamount to it it just proves it doesn't it that actually you can achieve almost anything you want and i and i i think that the ce- the glass ceiling really isn't there and because of the perception of not attracting people to the industry I think it creates an even grander opportunity when you're actually in it personally and that's certainly the experience that I had is that it's a place we can grow. It's about painting a picture for us especially with our young entrants our apprentices so 
you can go from skill step one all the way through to skill step five um, and now six and seven next year with the University of Gloucestershire and for our apprentices we say in theory you can if you really want to and go from skill step one to five in say seven eight years with the right company and with your employer um, and we say in you know, a skill step five a site manager some site managers are on sort of 65 70 000. and it is actually it's painting the picture that it's achievable it's not a pie in the sky concept it's not something that they can't aspire to or can't attain um, just because construction's got a really bad rap at school or, or they don't think it's got that um, that kudos of other careers. And the fact that they can picture it, it makes it, it makes their attitude completely different, as well as the, obviously the, the learning space that we've created here and the environment in which they can grow and um, progress. And also, just on that point, having female leaders championing the construction industry is subliminal messaging and representation matters. I mean, how how often do you see posters where there's just, you know, a, a male in a JCB? So what we're trying to do is make sure that we have both genders and we can really show that there's opportunities for all. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic what you guys are doing. And actually, on the topic of female leadership in a male environment, that's something I actually want to talk to you guys about in depth and we'll do that right after this break hello it's me again i wanted to share a quick story with you on why i co-founded ceiling with my best mate chris chris and i we're both qs's and this is going to sound sad but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering and we realized the industry had a problem number one procurement was too paper-based Number two, it was too time-consuming and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you or someone you know tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. Before the break, we talked about female leadership. And I mentioned, obviously kind of the traditional stigma of construction is that it's a very male-dominated environment. I think that is still true. Obviously, great that things are starting to change and evolve, but the industry has been male-dominated for a long time. Nicola, you've seen it evolve. It's been part of your family. What is your perspective on that? I still think there is a challenge within the construction industry of getting more females um in at all different levels you were trying to get more females into trades but unless we're seeing more females within the senior management boards that some of those changes are going to take a long time to come about I don't think it's an accident and I'm sure my other co-directors from the construction business won't mind me saying this but there's a reason why there's probably a female heading up or a group of females headed up Excel and I was the only female on the board of nine other other men there isn't enough diversity in the workplace and if you've got 
a boardroom of similar age white males. They're all going to generally come think up in a with, similar way. Yeah, think in a similar way and come up with the same solutions to things. And that was generally what was happening, to be honest. So having that diversity in the room with different None of them thought, I'm going to set up a school, guys. <laughs> None of them, going back to that problem with the business plan, none of them thought, right, enough of this. I'm going to go set up a school. <laughs> like really thinking outside the box. No. But, you know, to, to be fair to the, you know, I come in with, with this, I come in with a different perspective. Um, I think one of the other challenges and something I face personally is um, I'm the youngest on the board and I'm the the newest to the industry. They've got many, many years on me and I suffered with uh, like imposter syndrome for ages and ages on do I know what I'm talking about? Are they going to listen to me? And I've had to go on my own uh, developmental journey to try and have some belief in, in what we're doing and you know, Natalie will say the same and Katie has said the same, that we need to support each other and we need to believe in each other. And, um, you know, that that's, that's sort of embedded in what we do at Excel. It's funny, though, because, you know, you talk about being the least experienced or the least construction experienced. So the business that I run now, C-Link, is basically software for quantities fame and construction. And the people that come up with the best ideas to solve quantity surveying problems and not the quantity surveyors. <laughs> and it pains me to say that because I often think I've got a good idea and everyone says, rubbish, how about this? And you think, I had never thought about it in that specific, you know, it's a completely different way of thinking. So it's it's funny that you say that and given the context of what you've done and what you've built in that often more of the same is going to give us more of the same. We all know the challenges that we are facing around the industry, but... Has it been, you talked then about like your experience and your age in the context of the boardroom. Do you ever feel, and I know this might be a difficult question, but does it ever feel difficult to be a woman in construction? Is that changing? Have you seen that change in the 13 years that you've been in construction, Nicola? I, I definitely myself have changed in the fact that I used to think that I had to be quite male. And it was only when I started to be more myself that my original ideas were coming through um, and that I could be the more authentic me that people were actually buying into. And then I could, uh, you know, start believing in myself and create create what I wanted to create for the future. Um, a lot of that has come from support from um, mine and Natalie's mum as well. Um, you know, she's been a, a massive support and a massive driver behind what we were doing. She's been the backbone of my dad for many, many years supporting him. But she could also help as as an, another person throwing in another angle, you know, and she was able to support us and, and drive our ambitions forward. I think that's one of the keys to Excel as well, because um, you know, we have been encouraged to be ourselves. And pe- when people speak to us, uh, we do wear our heart on our sleeves. And I think women do tend to do that a lot more than men. Um, and because we are ourselves, people buy into us as people as opposed to just a business proposition or a business model. I can completely picture that. And, you know, I, I've completely bought into the, the three of you from from a distance, so I can completely understand that actually working closely with you. I know it's it's not an easy question to answer. The reason why I ask it is so my girlfriend, she's a project manager in construction. She's been in construction for probably eight, nine years now. And she said something to me probably four or five years ago now. She was running quite a big construction site. And I went out for drinks with her and her colleagues and like the site team, etc. And one of the guys said something to me 
said she's amazing at her job, etc. Said she could just do with being a little bit tougher, you know, almost like being a bit more of a man. Basically, was was what was being alluded to, and I told her about that, and she was like, "It's the most ridiculous thing that I need to act like a man for it to be for it to be to work." But that is the perception, and that's kind of why. And I know it's again, it's a tough question. That's why I was interested to ask you because when she said that to me, when he said that to me, I guess I was like, "Yeah, she probably does, doesn't she?" Because that's kind of just how my brain was thinking. And then when she said, "Why on earth should I have to act like a man?" I was like, "Oh yeah, good point." And I, it's just I know it makes me sound probably quite basic, but it, it's not gone away at all. I mean, the, the stigma is still there. I mean, the amount of times we've been called the PAs or the secretaries, or can you get your boss, or um, where we've been recruiting, and they go, "You're the bosses, women." What? <laughs> absurd though isn't it 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 is it is it is changing and we've had some amazing male supporters around us um but the fact of the matter is it's not changing quickly enough um and i I think with the marketing of excel it's a not a blessing and a curse but it's been a blessing in the fact that it's so different to be headed up by three women that it's got so much more traction than we ever thought possible for the very fact that it is headed up by three women which really in this day and age it shouldn't be a you know, a headline-grabbing um, piece of news, really. Is it the fact that you guys, the three of you, are fronting up Axel, you're, you're all women, you're all, like, front and centre, you really are, like, the faces of what you're doing. Do you feel, like, have you seen that that is attracting more women than, at, I'm going to call it grassroots, but to the, to the school? Are you noticeably seeing that? We are. Um, in terms Lots of Lots how- of smiles. And nodding heads. (laughs) It's probably one of the things I feel most passionately about. Um, Back when I first came into the industry, it was never a case where I was ever invited to any events. If the rugby was on, it'd be the males in the industry. If the golf was on, it'd be the males in the industry. And um, I used to keep a dress in the back of my car called it emergency dress. And that was because we never got invited. So I would always be the back, you know, the back film. Um, and it's about being more, yeah, about the being more film. inclusive, I like that. really. Yeah, or constantly the substitute. Anyone would ring me an hour before an event because they know I'd say yes. Um, and, I think, and I think that's what sort of happened, really, is we've picked up all of the things through our own experience and our own journeys in construction put it together um, and you know when you talk about people being more tough I don't think there's anybody more tough than us three that are on this podcast today I certainly don't have any sort of problems telling people when they're wrong uh, in the industry we've even turned away partnerships with Excel for people not being aligned with our values so we want people to put their money where their mouths are for far too long people have been talking the talk and it's taken you know women and obviously kw bell with the backing of them and all of the other industry partners educational partners and sponsors involved it's taken them to actually do do the walk and i think it's so important when we consider how tough this journey's been because on, on the face of it we look like swans on on linkedin and other social media platforms but the reality is we are underwater like this sorry i don't know if you're going to be able to see that on the podcast um but for any any listeners we're paddling paddling really hard wildly moving her arms yeah that's right and i think it's because there's 
it's it's not it's not an easy journey and um i think people are seeing that we're having fun i think they can relate we work hard with the epitome of work hard play hard um but it, it is so important to show this because it is having an effect because we are getting applications in from females um from both the welsh side of the bridge and the english side of the bridge so yeah it's definitely getting the word out there but tell us the truth now katie do you still have an emergency dress in your car? I have about an emergency five nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> one for each, one for each working day, right? But you, you mentioned toughness then, um, and you know, we do a talk on uh, "Don't be afraid to say I don't know." And um, Axel has grown from vulnerabilities, and that is, you know, trying to learn from other people because we haven't got all the answers, and we don't we don't try to tell people that this is the ultimate you know we've we've solved all the solutions we've got all the solutions we've solved everything and that's not the case but we do listen and and we learn and we make things happen um so when you talk about toughness that's tough you know that is showing you showing your vulnerabilities is tough and being open to them and actually learning from them and then growing from them yeah and you know it's that's uh, and talking about the word toughness in the context that it was put to me and again it's it's almost reframe when that was said to me I did think because I she, she's my girlfriend of 10 years right you think oh yeah okay um and she probably if god knows if she'll ever listen to this she'd probably hate me for even mentioning any of this but you know that you, you think about your own things about people and that that's like naturally is kind of the male particularly on site the male image is you know tough don't say anything to anyone but you know like it's just nonsense so when that was said to me I thought oh, okay and then when she actually broke it down for me how absurd a f- thing it was it does make you think yeah it's ab- completely and utterly ridiculous but that's kind of and it's changing people's perception about yeah. that because um, we do a lot of that in our skill sets and upskilling. Um, we get in experts to teach about um, leadership and development and mental health and well-being. So we have site managers that have been in the job 10, 15 years and they have sessions with our um, uh, delivery partners about um, emotional intelligence and mental resilience and speaking to people. It's fabulous. We had a, we'll had we have our first graduation on Friday and we actually had the final session last week and getting the feedback from their sessions. And these guys have been doing a fabulous job for years and years and years and yet they're still learning and they actually were most receptive to all of the, the leadership and the mental health aspects of the course that that we've built and and that that's a massive sea change for industry and the fact that they're admitting that and they're admitting that it's changing their practices and their thought processes on site it was such it was a fantastic day for us because it's a realization of the things that we think are working they are yeah amazing amazing and last not last week the week before last we had director of policy David Nash from the ECITB and we were talking about the skills crisis in a slightly different context but it's abundantly clear that we are short on labour as you outlined in your business plan Nicola many years ago but I mean like OMAQS so RICS literally just did a um, a report which says 54% of um, companies are saying there's not enough QSs. I did a poll however much credence we can give that on LinkedIn last week and it was actually like 82% were saying we can't find enough people now that is limited exclusively to quantity surveyors I know it's a far wider has far wider implications than that but why are we struggling for 
labour on site. What's the original problem, do you think? I think the one of the key elements is that we haven't attracted enough people into the industry. And um, that's, I think, number one, the, the, the worst thing, so the inspire bit. The second is we don't retain them. That's the train bit. <laughs> and the third one is the connect part, which is um, if you don't have any um, connections within the construction industry, it's still a very clicky industry. So how do you get in if you haven't got those connections within it? So, um, Oh, Nick, that was sweet. That was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed that. And, and that is why uh, Axel was formed upon those three pillars because it was those three things working in uh, working together that were going to have the impact. <laughs> so happy, there's beaming smiles. But on the on the connect, just honing in on that because we actually haven't talked about that a huge amount. You're talking about cliques and you're talking about knowing other people in the industry. What exactly do you mean? So you've inspired someone to come in, you've trained them so that they're fully able to operate within industry be successful etc connect that bit i can't quite connect what what you're meaning so that, by that, that opening of the doors so um uh, still um historically the industry have uh, you still get into construction because you know somebody who's know somebody's dad uncle and you can get your job on site and they go through the back door you know I, i'm a prime example of that um being a, a family member and, and that's how i got in um if i didn't have any family connections would i ever have gone into construction probably not um so how do we make those openings so it's that connect part it's opening up the opportunities with employers within the region within the industry um so anybody who hasn't got those connections within the industry can easily access them it becomes almost cyclical doesn't it so we're the linchpin between education and industry. So we facilitate that. So our apprentices come in, they apply to us, but then we facilitate employment with our employer partners. And that's what makes it completely different to um, any further education provision because we, we do connect the education with the industry. And the more people that you inspire, train and connect, the, it kind of just comes back, doesn't it? And more people are then inspired to come in etc sorry Katie you were saying I was just going to say in terms of the connect part as well um so we're connecting these individuals giving them opportunities but connecting them not just for an apprenticeship it's actually for their careers so they're given guaranteed employment at Excel and the idea is that they love the training when they are an apprentice and they look to come back and improve and self-develop year upon year that's the beauty of what we're doing. It's one of our USPs because unlike other colleges in our space, they don't provide the same progression routes that we can through our connections and through our employer partners. She's good, isn't she? Kate, Kate she's, <laughs> you are very good, Katie. Very clinical there. Fantastic. So majority of listeners will be, you know, main contractors, subcontractors. They may be business owners. They may be project managers, QSs. How can companies get involved with what you are doing we have our we have an event on i was mentioning it earlier where we were talking about the the emergency dress we're trying to bring <laughs> oh, as many to get that people out, to excel <laughs> we're trying to bring as many people together so we're holding events at excel which are inclusive for both males and females i mean we've even got a construction catwalk for male models for female models so we're really trying to be innovative with our approach now people can come to these events we'll be doing them you know on a on a regular basis 
But the idea is that they can come in, see the centre, feel the passion, um, and, and come and have a meeting with us. We've got a fantastic cafe here where we're inviting as many people to come along you know check out the check out the amazing cuisine but also have a chat with us get to know about us more learn about what the mission is and the ambitions for next year we we sold out of employer partnerships this year um, there was there, there were so many people who wanted to get involved with the project and we wanted to be sensible um, and, and and walk before we run so to speak but next year we are able to widen our offering we've got um, tech steps which is something that we you know talking about quantities of in and our architecture assistance that's where you'll you guys will want to get involved with that um, but it's, it's a way of opening up communication with us drop us an email follow us on our LinkedIn and our social media platforms and um, arrange a visit and I'm going to put your LinkedIn and I'm going to obviously in, in the podcast descriptions I'll share all of your uh, LinkedIn profiles I hope you don't mind of that and I'll obviously share details about the, the wider organisation Nicola I guess a final question that I'll put your way as the founder of the business as the person who I guess initially thought oh she's nervous who originally (laughs) originally thought about that family legacy are you now optimistic about the future given the work that you are doing and the people that you're starting to see coming through the uh, school 100% I can guarantee that you know, even before we opened the doors, we knew we were onto something. But having gone through now uh, 12 months um, in operation, seeing some of the challenges we've overcome, but seeing the people coming through the door and those learners grow and develop right in front of your eyes, you know, you know you're onto something. And, and it's it, honestly, there's nothing more rewarding than seeing the people around you develop and grow and have a space where they can do that. And on, on that delightful note, guys, it gives me great pleasure to say thank you so much for coming on the show it was totally worth me uh twisting your arms to get you on and watching you with all the technical difficulties that we had to have this conversation i'm honestly in great admiration of what you're doing for the industry the passion that you're doing it and how you guys present yourselves i'll be sharing all of your details in the podcast description nicola natalie katie thank you for coming on the show thank you so much thank you very much thanks for having us My pleasure. And guys, I will speak to you as always next week. Have a good one.